everyone. Welcome back to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorian McKenna. And today we are talking with screenwriter Brenda Shea, who's co-writer on Pixar's Elemental, which is in theaters right now. Brenda got her start in multi-cam sitcoms, working on shows like How I Met Your Mother and Disjointed. And she most recently wrote for two Apple comedies, Mr. Corman and The After Party. So Brenda's most recent credit, of course, is Elemental, which she co-wrote and which we'll be discussing today, in addition to her busy career as a TV comedy writer. Welcome to the show, Brenda. Welcome. Hi, Hi thanks for having me. It's super fun to have you here. Well, before we get started and talking to Brenda, um, we start each show with our segment Adventures in Screenwriting. And Brenda, I believe you've agreed to uh, partake in letting us know how your week was. Good, good. Uh, I will let Lorian go first. Lorian, how was your week? Uh, my week this week has been all about battling shame and digging into how it manifests in my everyday life and how it gets in my way in really important ways. So uh, Meg, you know, sometimes we're invited to do speaking gigs and I do this thing where I just undervalue myself automatically. Oh, Meg's the one who knows how to do the lecture. I'll just figure something out to do on the side. And so I realized that all comes from shame and, and being too afraid to like really think and articulate what it is I have to say and that it is okay if it's different from what you have to say, Meg, that I might have a different point of view or a different way into an access to something. And so I've been working this week on a couple different lecture ideas I have, which are totally different from yours, totally different from anyone else's, because my therapist asked me, what do you uniquely have to offer an audience? Which is exactly how I see myself as a writer. I just hadn't thought of myself that way as a speaker. I do it when I teach. I do it when I write, but as a person who would stand up and give advice, and that's where the shame comes in for some reason. So I've been working on how I would articulate things, and I realize I have a very strong point of view about some things, and it might be different than other people's, but it's mine, based on my experience and my view of the world and how I see myself in it. So I've been, but it's been hard to sit down and write it down because it feels like I'm committing to something. So just like in writing, I'm committing to a choice. Um, but it's been, uh, you know, shame is something that haunts me. So yes, I am trying to figure out what shame's purpose is in my life, and then asking it to shut the fuck up while I do something <laughs> important. <laughs> yes, please, Lori and shame, shut up. Yeah, so that's been my week. And it's been really hard, really hard, because shame triggers a multitude of other things that come up, little bubbly traumatic events and other things and opportunities for me to be like, oh, I could grab a hold of that horrible memory I have and spin out on that. So it's about somehow self-control and self-validation and all very complicated stuff, what my needs are, all of it. I feel like I'm doing the thing I hate doing, which is developing and growing i <laughs> tired of it it's exhausting. the evolution of Lorian mckenna i'm fine just the way i am so <laughs> this is um growth and it's painful uh but it also means i get to eat a lot right i'm having a growth spurt so yeah that's right that is true <laughs> so that's been my week my month my journey these days yeah 
Brenda, how was your week? Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's been interesting doing it's, it's interesting. I think the challenge for me this week has been, or in the past couple of weeks has been, um, as a writer, I feel pretty comfortable, you know, but I would say that a new experience for me has been kind of going more into the publicity side of things, which as a writer is not my wheelhouse. Like this is mm-hmm. kind of why we're writers. We like to be behind the scenes. I don't love being the center of attention, but it's this weird thing where I'm like, oh, to get people to watch this movie I work really hard on and I think will really touch a lot of people, like I'm going to have to put myself out there and and yeah, and times and be candid and vulnerable and 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 uh, yeah, it's been it's been a really interesting muscle that I've been um, having to work on, and it's so funny because I I always want to talk about the project and people are like, no, make it about yourself. I'm like, no, I don't want to make it about myself. <laughs> I'm very uncomfortable with making it about, but but you know, truthfully, this project is very personal. So I think, you know, they kind of uh, bleed into each other. And so it does make sense to talk about both. Um, and yeah, so that's been interesting and, and alternately frustrating. Cause as I said, I'm not even like a social media person or like, but now I feel like I'm trying to like, ask my friends to watch and post and like I'm like really is this I'm really trying to start a grassroots movement (laughs) like I'm just like I I cannot believe it's so funny because you know a lot of times we're living in LA your friends are like oh please go see my improv show or go see my yeah yeah you know see me at the cafe and I'm like oh please see this Pixar movie I wrote and people are like like, oh what (laughs) what's it about Um, and, um, obviously, uh, certain demographics have heard more about it, but, um, but yeah, I feel like it's been an interesting road and some growth in that, that sphere. Growth. It is such a different skill for writers to learn how to do, um, my week is pretty uh, quick and easy. Uh, uh, I'm coming back in from vacation. So I'm in the re-entry phase of, uh, you know, that project I was working on with my husband, the passion project that we were so into before we left. And now I'm like, wait, what were we doing? Why were we doing that? Like, you just, it's great to have perspective, but it's also like, crap, we got to get back down into the water. And I don't even like, wait, this doesn't even work. I, I left so excited thinking it worked. And now I'm like, nah, this doesn't work at all. <laughs> so I'm trying to um, figure that out. And what doesn't work, I can't put into words. And especially when you're collaborating, either with a director or another writer, you really have to put it into words because they don't understand why it doesn't work for you and it's so oddly personal I think or something I don't know what it is I can just feel it in my body it's not going to take me towards the story or the character that I originally wanted to do this for Um, it's not even that it's a bad idea right it's just not mine does that make sense like it's the idea that's bad that we could change this to would work and it would probably be great but it's not what I want to write you know, when you have a collaborator, you have to explain that or figure that out. And um, so what I'm doing is talking it out verbally. And I'm literally saying like, okay, I'm t- I don't even know if I'm going to agree with myself in five minutes, but right now I'm feeling of random thoughts and thank God he's being patient and just sitting there and letting me figure it out. And it's so funny because then my son who's in Italy, who has a story due is doing the same thing. He's FaceTiming me and just talking and talking and talking and talking. Because he's trying experiencing the joy, which we did a lot at Pixar. I know you must have done, too, where you sit in a room and you talk. You talk a lot because there's so many collaborators and and you are figuring it out 
all together at go. So it's probably also the Pixar training to just start talking it out and let my the experience of saying it to somebody be the discovery. That it's not always on the page writing or thing that sometimes it is a verbal experience, at least for me, to even know what the heck I'm feeling inside as a writer. So that's where I am. Um, but Brenda, let's get back to you. That's that's who we're here for. Um, we like to start um, because so many of our, a lot of our listeners, not all, um, are emerging writers and they're very interested in how people guard it. So um, before we talk about Elemental, we're just going to take a little side jog over here to talk about first staffing job what was on there. Can you just talk a little bit about how that came to be? How did you get into this crazy life? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because uh, I was when I was in college, I was an English major, but I never took a fiction writing class. It was always like really writing about Jane Austen or Shakespeare. And I honestly felt like, well, writing is a good skill to have. But I never thought that being a creative writer was ever a real option in my life. I mean, I think especially being a child of immigrants and like it just didn't seem sensible or practical or real. And um, it wasn't. And so I didn't really ever think to do it. So I, I was actually going to go and be, I had interned at 2020 and I was, I was going to go into television news producing. And I actually had a, a job lined up at MSNBC in New York after graduation. Um, and, you know, I went to school on the East coast. So a lot of my friends were all going to be there. My boyfriend was going to be in New York. And so that felt like that was my path. And it was only because my mom, um, she got diagnosed with cancer and my parents were separated. I'm sorry. So I basically had to go and she moved to LA to be with her family and to have better weather. And so I was like, I basically gave up everything to go out and take care of her. And so I went out to LA feeling very derailed and like, what am I doing out here? And uh, it was, but when you come out to LA, what happens is it, the industry of the town is Hollywood and it's inevitable that you get exposed to that. So I went to an alumni event and I met a writer and he, we just started joking around and basically hit it off. And he was like, why don't you try writing? And he was a, he used to write on Seinfeld actually. And so uh, we, I, I kind of picked half hour because it was the shortest and I'm lazy. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll this one, the shortest one. And, uh, and then. So and it's obviously know, the easiest one, yeah, right? Little did I know. Jokes, like. It's actually like the hardest one. The hardest. You have to have like yeah. story stakes, character, in 22 minutes and be funny and literally be the most efficient, tightest writer uh, ever. Anyway, so I'm just like, okay, I'll try. And like the great news about writing is that there's no startup costs. So I was like, you know, I'm taking care of my mom. I have time. Like, um, and I just started writing in my room. Uh, and basically I, the way I taught myself is I read like a lot of examples of what I wanted to write, like good examples of what I wanted to write. So the, at the time there were a lot of like fan sites for Seinfeld or friends where these fans would like transcribe every episode and I would just read them all. Like, I was just like, oh, okay, let me just read good examples of what I want to do. And that's kind of how I taught myself. And then I was like, you know, writing specs and like getting better at it and like getting some feedback from some alumni people. And then I was just like, I don't know how to get a job. Like I'm literally like, I have no connections. I mean, I didn't even know how to get a PA job or a writer's assistant job. So I was like, I guess I'm going to enter a contest. And so I did, it was the, uh, it was the ABC Disney writing fellowship. And I chose that one because as a sensible Asian, it's the only one that pays you. And I'm like, I need <laughs> to have a job. I need to support myself. 
And so it is uh, very competitive, but I, I think I had basically given myself two to three years to break into the industry. I'm like, that's like grad school. And at least I don't have to pay tuition and I right. just support myself and that, and I feel like if that, if it happens within this time period, then good. And if not, I'm ready to move on. And so this, this fellowship application was pretty much like a little bit past the two year mark. And in my mind, I had said, like, if I get it, I'm going to keep going. And if I don't, then I'm going to move on and do something else. And, and I got it. And so it was amazing. It was a huge, um, it was a great opportunity because it gives you a year to write. They pay you generously for that year for, a, you know, first job. And um, you get to focus on your writing. You get to work with executives, get notes, learn how that process works. And and that year, there was also happened to be an opportunity to get on a show, a half hour comedy. And so a bunch of us uh, interviewed um, and I got the job. And so once you get your first job, it's very yes. an agent. And then once you have an agent, I was able to kind of keep going, basically. So it was kind of my big break. And I'm very grateful for it. That's amazing. That's awesome. I liked how you made it, how you put real world framework on it, grad school, right? Yeah. And that it was, it was a plan and that you had a plan at the end. And I'm not saying anyone else should do this. I just like how your mind works. Like that's how you made it sense to yourself, which I, I think is such a good thing to know about yourself. Like, this is how I work. I have to set these things. Did you also set up a plan? Like I want to write a movie for Pixar. I want to like, how did you get from being a staff writer and working on all these shows and moving up to writing a feature film at Pixar. Yeah. And it's funny you should say that I'm not a super planner, but it was more just like having some parameters for like mm -hmm. that. You know what I mean? Like, cause I, I mean, yeah. I admire people who've been endlessly work at something and like detoiling away for 10 years. And I, I just know myself and a little bit, you have to know yourself, uh, you know, and as we were saying, this career is so unstable, so uncertain, so risky. Like, I, I also think I have um, the personality to sort of handle that. Like, I know my sister is really risk averse and her head would explode. Like, it's like, you got to <laughs> have to know, like, not only have the talent and the hard work, but like, know if you can handle this kind of level of, uh, yeah, not knowing, you know, and so and I, as I said, like I, with this career, I, I, so I started in half hour, I started on a lot of great shows and, um, and basically on these shows, you're always pitching to the showrunner and their voice, which is fun and great. But like, ultimately I felt, I started wanting to feel like I had a, a place to be my, have my own voice and do my own thing. And so the, what I did was I, I started writing features on like spec features on the side because I was like, oh, you know, I don't have to pitch. If I, I don't have to pitch it and let someone choose, I can actually, if I think it's good, it goes in the script, you know? So, so you're, you're living with your mom and taking care of her, right? being a support for her, your full-time staff yeah. writing job and you're writing specs on the side. Well, I, well, that not all the ones. So basically, okay. I was taking care of my mom, but then she passed away. And then I'm, sorry, I'm so sorry. Able, yeah, no, it's okay. I had a really good year with her. And and as I said, she it was like really hard, but this amazing thing came out of it, which is I would never have found my career if I didn't come out to take care of her. Um, and so, um, and then, so yeah, I was basically on staff and I was doing that for a while, just doing that. But then at some point I started feeling that itch of like, I want to do my own thing. And so then I started um, writing these features on the side. And basically uh, this movie I wrote, that's sort of a, like a kind of eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, like a sci-fi rom-com. Uh, it was kind of based on my longest and longest first relationship and the breakup of it. And it's so funny because as a writer, even, you know, even something very hard and something a little bit, uh, 
how do I say shitty, uh, you can mm-hmm. make into something amazing and like right. a productive and a, yep. an art basically. And so it inspired, and it was actually the most personal thing I ever had ever written. Cause you know, coming from comedy, I, this is all the journey of vulnerability also, which is like, it's, it's not your voice. It's another person shows other people's characters. And I never felt like I wrote about myself or anything like that. And this, this was the first piece that I ever did that was actually very personal. And, um, and so that script was called match and I'm actually trying to direct that currently as an independent uh, film. Oh, fantastic. Anyway, yeah. Because I'm ready to be in charge, guys. Uh, anyway, and you already so, you already are in charge. Let's reframe this. Yeah, you are. In I charge. mean, this was the this was a big struggle actually, and we'll get back to it at Pixar when I was really enjoying myself there, but then also feeling this pull to kind of um, do my own thing. Right. Um, anyway, and so yeah, and then this movie, uh, this feature, like it got uh, it got a really good positive response from people. Were passing it around. Um, and I think it got passed to someone at Disney Animation and they liked it. And then they passed it to Mary Coleman, who's the executive at Pixar. She loved it. She passed it on to Pete, Do- Pete, Pete Sohn, who is the, you know, the director of um, Elemental. And then I got that interview off of that. And so I remember when I got the interview, I, I they, they told me that I would have to probably move up to the Bay Area. And I remember being like, I don't know. I literally <laughs> said no to my, I was like, no, I don't think so. And then the next morning I woke up, like, like woke up being like, oh my God, are you an idiot, Brenda? Like take, take the interview. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, you weren't even going to take the interview. You were like, eh. yeah, I mean, so <laughs> crazy. And I, I, and then I call my agent back. I'm like, no, I'm going to take the interview. And I'm also like, bad job on your right. You have to, how did you let me say no? I was like, oh my God. Um, and so, yeah, that's how we, then we met and, you know, Pete was, uh, so great. And I just love, I mean, the world of elements was just something I'd never heard before. I, and it's so rare you hear of an idea Mm -hmm. I haven't heard before. I was like that amazing. And B like, it's so necessary to be animated. Like, I love that it takes an advantage of the animated medium and then also as a metaphor for like diversity and immigration and this, that was like, like, so like meaningful to me. Like I'm a, you know, I'm a daughter of first generation Chinese immigrants and like, it just really clicked. And, and also the other thing I would say that really made me want to say yes to this project was the, the kind of the promise of doing a romance at Pixar, like Pixar's mm-hmm. first romantic comedy, like, like in a grown, these are, these are 20 something characters. They're not kids. And this is going to be a romance. And I, and I, I always just love doing things that haven't been done before. And I'm just like, yeah, sign me up. This is, this is great. How far in development was the project when you joined it? Pretty early. I think, um, you know, it was, it was still kind of like free outline, free outline even, you know, um, so like some art. There, was, there was the world of the elements and there was the premise of fire and water. Can they be together? Um, but, you know, who these characters are, what the story could be. It was really wide open and kind of that's like the most exciting time to get on to a project because you get to really like shape it and kind of put this foundation down and stuff. And so, yeah, it, it wasn't. Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, they had some drawings and stuff, but um, it was pretty, pretty nascent, I would say. And I know that it's also, you know, personal to Pete Sohn, 
Um, how would how was it working with him to get that story out of his head and onto the page, so to speak, you know, as it is with ever, working with every director, be it Pixar or not, that your job as the writer is to they're the director. What is the story they're trying to tell at the same time that you are, of course, also writing something personal for yourself? So what was that process like? Yeah, it's it was honestly, you're right. Like, I think everyone's uh, every writer's experience at Pixar is very dependent on their relationship with their director. And and I was very lucky. Pete was, uh, you know, is a great director. He's a good story sense. And this is also a very personal story for him. And we could obviously relate. I mean, he is a Korean immigrant. And um, so I think it was a really positive working experience. And also just, it's funny because I'm used to being in a writer's room. So I'm actually very comfortable with collaboration. Like that's how I came up as a writer. And it was almost like being with Pete was almost like being in a writer's room of two, where you're just right. like two of us just like talking all day, like, you know, like, you know, pitching. And, and also what I really loved about working with Pete is that we're both very passionate and we're both not we're both not non-confrontational. Like we would, we will get into it and we will argue things passionately, but it was always like, like never personal. And it was always like, like just very, I thought productive in a way. And it's funny because sometimes I think the producer would watch and be like stressed out. And we're like, no, 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 we're cool. We're just, we're both just passionate and we so care about this story. And ultimately, you know, so many great things come out of that kind of uh, relationship and stuff. So yeah, it's, it was a, it was a really cool experience. Were you were you writing and then giving him things to think about or was it still very much like it can be in the room writing stuff on boards and cards and. Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, in the beginning, we would literally break multiple like like on the board, like uh, general structure of like like different versions of what this movie could be. You know what I mean? Like and I was a big proponent of that. I'm a big proponent of like outline first because I'm lazy and I don't like to write scenes that I don't need to write. So I feel like if you have a good <laughs> blueprint, you don't do extra work like in the writing of it. And if you know where you're going, the writing of it is actually kind of easy. Um, and so, if so the, you if are a planner. Fun. I'm going to call you out. You are yeah. a planner. <laughs> I'm a planner about work. That's for sure. Not so much with my life as much, but, um, but definitely when it comes to scripts and I find it more efficient. And so, yeah, it, it was fun because we would we would try different macro versions of the movie on the board, like being like it could be this thing or it could be that thing. And then then honing it down and getting it to a place where, you know, we finally it's funny. I think Pete, it's he loves exploring a lot of options. And it, it as as the options get smaller and smaller, I think he gets a little like, oh, no, we're making we're making decisions and it's narrowing down. But ultimately, I'm like, yeah, we got to That's how you move forward. But I think I'm really proud of like our first reels and our first draft like it was like a really and I think he was too and it was like really felt great to be on the same page and both really happy with it after like wrangling with it uh and doing all that work in pre-production Brenda I'm glad you brought up that like you weren't afraid to elegantly argue with Pete if you guys got into something I think that's like a question a lot of writers have if they have writing partners or if they're in a writer's room or like what are the secrets behind like kind of Respecting the etiquette of your role as a writer, depending on your position in a room, but still like, you know, dying on a hill that you think is really important. Like, do you have any advice for our writers as to when they should be fighting those battles and how they should be fighting them if they decide to? That's a good question. And honestly, that's something I really had to learn. Like when I first started out, I don't think I knew like what was appropriate. Like I, it, when I was in my first writer's room, I think on How I Met Your Mother, I would fight for things too hard. 
And it was feedback I got back that I was like, you got to let things go. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that, and I, and I took it to heart and it, you know, and I'm glad I got that feedback. Um, and I learned, I, you know, so I'm saying the process was, and it, you know, it really depends. Like when you're a staff writer and someone else's show, it really isn't your, this is really not your baby. Like this is this person's vision and this person is who you are trying to serve. You know what I mean? And so like, I, I think I am naturally a very passionate person and, and I really care and I'm doing it honestly, because I'm like, I think this is just something like, I just feel like this is right. Or, you know what I mean? And it's like, Mm -hmm. it isn't even about ownership. Like, it's not that it has to be my, I I will fight just as hard for someone else's idea if I think it's the best idea, you know, but it's like, ultimately it is, uh, it was a lesson to learn and you're right. It is about choosing your battles. It's about being respectful and it's about saying, Hey, here's, here's what you will get and what you will gain if you do it that way. And this is what you'll get and gain if you go this way. Because ultimately there's not usually a right answer. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, is this path have more positives than negatives than this path? And ultimately sometimes it's subjective and it's just up to what Pete or what resonates with Pete, you know? And so that that is, um, that is, and also I'm willing to try things, right? So like, if he's like, if I'll be like, Hey, I don't think that's going to work, but I'll do it for you. And then I'll show you, I'll write it for you. And if, and then, and to his credit, when I wrote it and he read it, he'd be like, yeah, that doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like, so I think the respect went both ways. Um, and so it was a, it really was a a constructive uh, dynamic. Mm -hmm. So I do want to say, uh, before we get into it, I really liked the movie. I had a Thank great you. time watching it. I <laughs> thought it was beautiful. My daughter and I really liked it. We got to talk about some stuff about, you know, uh, I'm, I don't know, fourth generation immigrant. Like it's not the same at all, but there is a legacy of that yeah, of course. Me in my family. And so we got, I got to give her tech a little context around that and her family's journey, which was really cool. And the sort of discrimination that, you know, my great grandparents faced. And uh, so that was a really cool opportunity in a fun colorful way to talk about and you know the rom-com of it you know she's very she's 11 she's very ew kissing but she didn't do that when we were watching this movie she because I think it's animated so it has that sort of you're looking through a window at it instead of yeah. you know two actors it's a little more non-threatening <laughs> yes and I just thought oh, it was man, because you film. love them and because you love them yeah. like who, how, yes. you love them together and they're I just oh, I just think so 11, much of that is the writing everything is gross, right? But she loves <laughs> this. And yes, the writing. But also, you know, I know Pete, I've worked with Pete. And so I could see his story in it, like actual conversations I've had with him. But what's so interesting is, well, who's, whose story is that, right? I was thinking, watching the movie in a couple of different levels. And so I could see you in it. I didn't know you, but I was like, oh, something else, like the influence and the conversation. So for me, I was watching it on so many levels. But so I feel like I got to know you a little bit watching this movie that you helped make. So thank you. I mean, it was yeah. a lovely experience for my thank daughter you. and I. I mean, yeah. I I definitely the thing I think I I really resonated with is, you know, the father daughter relationship. Like I have a really strong relationship with my father and I and 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 yeah, I think when we first talked about it, we almost talked about it as a love triangle. Like it was like Ember, Wade and her father. You know what I mean? And her struggle between those two poles, you know, and just like, I just, it's almost like a little bit like say anything, um, you know, yes. it's like, yes. a, you know, and oh, you totally. don't see that very often, you know? And, uh, and I also love that she is a strong, passionate, fiery person, woman, you know what I mean? And, and that the, the guy Wade is the, the weepy, empathetic, you know, teary guy. Like it's just such a flip of the gender 
roles. Which is fun for me because that's my marriage. You know, at our wedding day, I was all smiles and delight. My husband's weeping the whole day, (laughs) you know? So for me, I was like, oh yeah, Quincy, this is your papa and I, this is our life together. (laughs) And I love to, in terms of story choices, and I won't say specifically what, because anybody who hasn't seen it should go see it. But um, I love where she ended up, that it wasn't a typical rom-com about the dude Mm-hmm. Uh, place to end up that I thought, um, you know, that's one of my favorite parts of it, of all the many favorite things about the movie. I love where you took her yeah. um, and uh, on her own personal journey. You know, yeah. I think that was spectacular. And another reason you should all be watching this movie, because where it goes is not where you think yeah. it's going. Yeah. And that uh, yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and it is I, I think it's, uh, you know, it is her journey is very reflective of Pete's journey, obviously, the director and um, in a in a way that's almost, you know, it's very, very clear. And and I think that's why it's so resonant for him, you know, and and he I know this was such a personal project. You know, he was going through a lot with his parents over the whole process and and just like, yeah, this this is a love letter to your immigrant parents and like how much they've sacrificed. And that's that's what gets me about it, you know, so. How much of, like, I love the, I could see certain things from like Korean culture that I'm aware of or other cultures. How, what was the process in terms of shaping the world of the movie in terms of a nod to cultures that exist and then creating your own stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because we obviously, the higher people are the first uh, or the, 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 the most recent wave of immigration. And so the world's not really built for them. And, and, and like every immigrant, when they first come the group, they're often seen as threatening and it's tougher for them. And yeah, we, I mean, because Pete is Korean, I'm Chinese. Like it definitely has a lot of Asian. It, we wanted to have like, but not be literally, that's what we love about it. It's not literal. Um, so it's kind of amalgam of a lot of like, Asian-y uh, cultures and and yeah it was fun I've honestly never worked in such a world building way as a writer and having to like make up Firish the language like I literally was like you better hire a linguist because I am just kind of making up this language and I'm trying to be consistent and uh and like and it was kind of fun because it was it, at least the version that I mean it, it evolved but like the first version of Firish was very uh, inspired by the sound that fire makes like pop, like crackle, like, and it was just like, it was very fun and interesting, but also a challenge. And like, yeah, they're from Fireland and like, and and yeah, it's, it's just a fun, it was cool to make up this culture that, that we obviously speaks to us, but is a, it can be more universal. And I think that's why it's doing well internationally, like, cause, cause they don't look a certain way. You can sort of put yourself you can be like, oh, I'm that I'm that outsider or I'm that I I, I can relate to that. You know what I mean? Um, which is why it's so great, you know, because it's not literal. OK, I do have a question about the fireish. So I am aware that there are people at Pixar who are into Star Trek and Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and the languages. Someone made a dictionary, didn't they? <laughs> well, I think they eventually got the guy from yeah. Game of Thrones to do it. But yeah. certainly for the first three reels, it's me making up this language and keeping track. Oh, yeah. But I'm like, oh, someone <laughs> made a dictionary yeah, yeah. with like Pixar signal, Pixar <laughs> uh, pictures and like sounds and pronunciation yeah. and everything. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just check yeah, it out. I'm yeah, glad. I'm glad. Because I was like, <laughs> I feel a little bit like, whew, this is <laughs> not a linguist. <laughs> But it was, uh, yeah, so that 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 was... Uh, that sounds so fun. Mm-hmm. We also want to uh, talk to you about just you as a writer and your process. Um, 
you know, especially we have a lot of comedy writers who listen in and I'm not a comedy writer. Um, I can write comedy, but I, I don't consider myself a comedy writer. Um, I feel it's such a, it's like magic to me um, sometimes the way that people can just pull a funny line out of out of out of the air. Um, you know, as somebody talking to maybe younger writers, how would you talk to what would advice would you have to honing that muscle if they do want to be a comedy writer? Yeah, I mean, listen, it is a good question because it's not easy. I do think there's a little bit of a talent aspect to it. I do think it's something that is obviously a muscle and a skill that you can hone and you can you should work on. It's like doing exercises. And um, but yeah, I do think you need to have at least like a base where you're starting from. And for me, like, I mean, because ultimately being on TV shows, for sure, like sitcoms, and you really have to be funny on command. Like when you are, when you are uh, not only writing scripts, but in the room and also, um, and it's funny because being like, I could be funny on the page, but being in in a comedy writing room is a very specific thing where suddenly, you know, before I would hear these jokes and these lines in my head, and then I would just type them down and be in the script. But when you're in a room, suddenly you have to pitch them. And suddenly you're a performer, because if you don't pitch them in the right voice, or like in the right, uh, you know, delivery, you're not going to get the laugh, you're not going to get the joke, and you're not going to get into the script. And so that was a real skill that I had to learn, because I was like, what I, I just, just used to write, and now I have to be a performer, like I'm not an actor, you know, and so Uh, And there's something to pitching an idea in a room versus pitching a joke in a room and not getting a laugh like that is way more devastating than pitching a idea that doesn't get traction. You know what I mean? So it was the silence, the silence, silence, you know, I've done that at Pixar a few times. It's just like, oh, my God, when you pitch a joke and it's just like thunk. Yeah. Oh, and then you want to say, did you guys hear me? Did you did you is want this me to mic say on? Is this did mic on? Is this mic on? Uh, so the way I got around it, my hacks when I was just starting out, cause I was like nervous. I would sit next to the showrunner in the room and then I would pitch it kind of quietly and he could, he or she could hear it. Usually it was a, he, it was a very male dominated field comedy writing and it's changing. But back in the day, it was mostly guys. I would be often the only female in the room. Uh, and so, yeah, I would, I would just sort of pitch it quietly and, and so it wasn't as high stakes. And so, and, but, but the showrunner could hear it and if it was good, it got in and then I would slowly build up my confidence in that arena. And then, yeah, I mean, when you're on a, like, I've been on a couple of shows where you shoot in front of a live audience and, and if, you know, they do a take and a joke doesn't get a laugh, all the writers have to run down to this, you know, and start pitching. And like, we need, to, they need to pick a new joke in like two minutes and give it to the actor and do the scene again. And hopefully it gets a laugh. And it's actually more nerve wracking if you do get picked because then your line is now up and like, you hope that it gets a laugh from the audience. So there's immediate feedback. Um, so yeah, it's a, it is a skill and it is something you get better at, as I said, like, and, and in, in these pressure situations and, and, but the good news is, it, it does get easier and it does, it does get stronger as you use it. Um, so that's how I would say comedy, comedy, the comedy chops, you can work on your comedy chops. I, I have a friend who's a comedy writer and he is very passionate about commit to the bit, right? When you're, and so when, and so when we're hanging out, we like just riff, right? It's a safe place. It's fun. And you know, it's like acting and performing, but it's like, you're an actor. You have to commit 
You have to show up in your wacky costume and your wacky tie and commit. Yeah. And so, so much of it is the passion and laughing at other people's jokes when they're funny and being in the room. And uh, I'm, 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 I consider myself more of like a dramedy comedy writer than like what you're talking about. I, I don't know that I'd be able to handle that. I'd like get exhausted and pass out. I got in one room by accident. That was a punch up room by Uh accident. I should not have been there. Oh my God. I called the agent after and I was like, don't you ever (laughs) say Because I thought I was there to talk about character or theme or the emotion yeah. or how to fix what I thought was wrong. And it was like, go around the room and everybody right now for this place, pitch a joke. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. I, and I So they got to me and I was like, well, I think the reason there's no joke is because who is he? And <laughs> why? Like, what? Like, that's why there's nothing funny because we don't yeah, know what he wants. And like, and I start to go to the character and the director's looking at me like, who's this? Why is she talking about my characters? Oh my God. It was no, but, Ma- but Meg, that is so true. Like, I pitched character driven jokes. Like, the, it's like yeah. the joke yeah. comes from not only who these characters are, but like the, the con, like the circumstance. Like, when you, like, jokes need to be, that's why sometimes you feel like when you watch certain movies, they're like, just jokes that are like you you feel like they were just inserted and like but mm-hmm. organic jokes that are organic to the story and the characters are the kind of jokes that I love because almost in a weird way it's like they can't be taken out of context you know what I mean yeah it's yeah, not yeah, yeah. joke you can just take out of context it's like you got to know what and 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 when you do have a fu- if you have an inherently funny premise with inherently uh funny characters then the jokes are flowing like yeah. you know what I mean uh and so it's, and I love when a joke is emotional like yeah. it's funny but it just revealed something about character and it just shifted the plot and it just so I you, I get in these rooms of punch it up and I'm like yeah no no not for me I, I'm by the way again I think people like you Brenda who could have been in this room you were like it was like magicians like watching them pull like this bang 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 oh it's amazing I thought it was amazing yeah. So to but that point, been, like, you know, yeah. the character, you know what they want, you know who they are. Would you would you recommend that somebody who wants to be in one of those rooms write a spec? Yeah. Of an existing show. Like, I mean, it's funny. I think like nowadays people don't write specs of existing shows anymore. But I think it's kind of great training. Like, I obviously feel like you need to have a pilot that can show that you can do an original voice. But like, maybe I'm old school, but there. There is something very valuable to being able to write a show compellingly, convincingly in an, a, a, like another voice, like it, and to embody these other characters and 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 do it well and be funny. Like I, I still think that's a valuable uh, skill to show. Um, but yeah, what I was gonna say, Meg, is like you know, like if it's like forty year old virgin, you're like, I get it. I'm like, that's the character. Right. I get what his journey is. I get what the funny is. I get like it's just so clear you know what i mean um and that's the kind of thing you want is like such a strong comedically inherent character arc and and uh and, and so much of um, comedy is about the vulnerability yeah. and l- the shame or the all that dark stuff we all kind of put away so much of the comedy is coming from that coming up and them getting exposed. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of comedians have a lot of uh, are real effed up, you know, Like, <laughs> but it's funny yeah, because it's I'm sort hilarious. of a way to hilarious. talk about it, but not in a it's it's not very it's funny because it isn't very vulnerable like effort, like that. And that has been my journey, too. Like as a writer, I think as in a comedy room and in comedy, you're kind of trained to make fun of everything. And like it's hard to be sincere uh and so i'm a little bit like that where i just like 
make fun of everything. And it's, it is a defense mechanism. And, and I need, and I'm kind of as a person trying to unlearn that. Cause even in my personal life, I like make it, I just make jokes and like, and I'm like, really sometimes that joke is hiding some hurt or some anger, you know what I yeah. mean? Or whatever. And yeah. So in my writing and in life, like I've been, I've been trying to teach myself like with this movie match, like uh, that is more of a dramedy and more it's comedy, but it's got heart and it's actually bittersweet. Uh, like I really had to stop myself from ending every scene with a joke. Like I was like, just let the moment sit, Brenda. You don't have to end it with a mm. joke, you know? And it is. It, yeah. And it's know? amazing how much you can use whatever skill and talent you have to avoid, right? Like yeah. to be able to be a comedy writer and thinker and magician like you is such an incredible talent, but you can even use that to, like yeah. you said, shut down a conversation because it's getting too vulnerable or to, and, and it's, it, and it's funny because I, I know at Pixar, for sure, once it goes into board, just all kinds of fun stuff happening. Like it's they're just having so much fun. But I think in that origin, when you're trying to originate the story, that comedy is supposed to be digging, right? And letting it sit and letting it be awkward. And like that's kind of what it's trying to pull up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's using that skill in a totally different way. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did you find it in the room? That vulnerability, because um, now you know, you know working with the storyboard artists and um, all of that whole process, which is very different in animation. Yeah, I kind of loved it. And as I said, coming from, I think coming from a, a TV background with writer's room experience, really, like, I was very well equipped to basically work with visual story artists, like story artists are visual storytellers. And so I'm kind of like, I think writers that came from just features and used to working solo probably had more of a challenge. But for me, I really enjoyed working with the story artists. I was incredibly lucky. I worked with such a talented group of story artists and it was so fun, like working with them. And like, it's like harnessing them like a writer's room and their ideas and, and just like plussing and, you know, and sometimes like going off track, but like, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what a writer's room is, is like everyone's pitching and being able to kind of um, steer that ship to a place um, is so gratifying. Well, and talking about a pitching when something goes thunk, like when you're in animation and this is in any animation company, I'm sure. And you as the writer, they're reading the pages to the artist who has to draw it and they don't look excited to draw it. They kind of look like, oh, man, you're like, oh, man, this is so bad. Like that has become my bar. Like, could you pitch that scene to somebody who would be like, I can't wait to draw this? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. It no, becomes definitely. its own audience and bar immediately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it was like, you know, I was as I said, I was very lucky. I think the story artists who worked on this had a lot of personal resonance with the themes and really felt it. And really, I felt like we're always psyched to do the, the sequences and stuff. And so. Yeah, it was a it was such a fun experience um, working with story artists, and that was new. And also just learning how to be more visual in storytelling, and and also learning as a writer how to be write action sequences. Like I was like, wow, Pixar movies are kind of like like heart like grounded heartfelt action movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's Ultimately, because it is like these things that uh, like like Ratatouille is just like oh, it's this indie like character driven story where he just wants to be a chef, but he's a rat in a kitchen. And so now it's life and death stakes and it's an action movie. You know what I mean? And so that's the beauty of Pixar is marrying this kind of like 
grounded character drive with this, you know, scope and the fun and the stakes of an action movie. And so um, it was like super fun coming up with, you know, fun action sequences, basically. Um, And then there's the balance, right? Like now it's gone too far over into the action and it's a bunch of set pieces and we've lost the emotional indie movie that we love. It's just so back and forth, right? As you just toggle and trying to find that incredible balance. Speaking of balance, you worked on the show, Mr. Corman, which is an Apple TV plus show I really liked. And in my mind, we could categorize that show as a dramedy. I don't know if you would agree or not. I'd like to hear what you say. But- oh, yeah, 100%. It's not a comedy. <laughs> it's more drama. Yeah. And I, I loved it, though. And I feel like another show that's kind of doing the same thing is Somebody Somewhere on HBO. And I feel like we've thrown this word dramedy around on this call. And I love it. I feel like that's what I've been writing recently. But I'd kind of like to hear you sort of speak on this new half hour funny drama space. And like, if you think it's relevant for our writers to be writing samples in this kind of tone and voice. I think it depends on what kind of writer you are. Like, listen, as it's someone who's come up in comedy, I, I really do have appreciation for like hard jokes and like hard laughs as opposed to you know I, I know what you're talking about I do I also love a dramedy um but it is a very different animal I think and it's I, I think you know I think whatever speaks to you as a writer and whatever tone and whatever you know sparks you like go do that you know what I mean whatever whatever is your thing because I think it's they're different you know what I mean and I appreciate them both um and so uh and as I said like I feel like my journey has becoming is moving more as a, as a writer in my career, I've moved more towards drama coming from comedy. And I actually think that is really the way to go because comedy is very hard and it's actually easier to, I feel like easier to go to drama than from drama to go to comedy. Um, so I was like, I, I think, it, you know, they both have their challenges, but like, um, yeah, I think, and, and the dramedy space is more vulnerable, is more, you know, you got to sit in these like uncomfortable like uh, places. And, 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 and I, I do enjoy that. But yet again, I also enjoy like uh, straight up comedy with hard jokes, like, like a 30 rock. You have to love it. Totally. So uh, we like to ask about your writing habits. So um, outside of Pixar, of course, or because that is, has its own um, schedule and, uh, and process. Um, when you're writing on your own, do you schedule? How do you do you get? I have to write this many pages a day. What are your favorite snacks? Um, do, you've told us you outline. Yes. Do you Do you have an office? Just kind of what's your process? Um, yeah, I have an office in my I'm lucky enough to have an office space like in my house. And I am very lazy and I don't like going to a coffee shop. I don't like uh, I like holding up in my little office and just typing away. And honestly, I'm I'm not a routine person. I, I, I really am more of a quantity and getting something done. And and when I'm in the thick of a script, I it is like you have to get five pages done a day and you can do it whenever you want. You can do it like in the morning, you can do it at night, like, but you got to get it done. And, um, and that's how I work on when I'm in script, uh, when I'm in outline phase, I think, you know, outlining and like brainstorming is probably the most chat, it can be the most challenging and frustrating because it's so, you know, when you're writing pages, it's quantifiable. You literally can say, oh, I got five pages done today. When you're just thinking about story and breaking story, that is like, how do you quantify that? Some days it's like going like this. And some days it's like, oh, and I don't, I, it's like hitting your wallet, head against a wall, you know? Um, and generally speaking, I think, you know, I, I think that is probably the hard part, but uh, even then I'm kind of like, 
what I would say is when, when a story lends itself to being broken, like you usually feel like you're on the right track, you know, like it's like, Oh, this is flowing. This is right. And so I generally have had lucky enough to, to kind of feel that way. And, and I'm in a place in my career now where I kind of don't take jobs unless I feel a spark of like, I really have to feel compelled to be like, have we seen this before? Do I, am I passionate about it? Do I have a take that we haven't seen before? Um, and, and I will only do, do a job if I've walked into it in that way. And once you've walked into it that way, then I feel like the process flows for me. It's only when I feel like I'm not coming from that place that, you know, authentic connection place. It's, it's hard for me, you know? And you can really feel that watching Elemental. I just want to go back to Elemental because I loved it so much. I, you can really feel when you watch the movie how authentically connected you and Pete and everybody's making the movie is. Um, it feels so truthful and honest and fun. And I just uh, that what you just described, that flow. What I love about watching the movie is you you get to go into your the flow like you yeah. really can feel it uh, watching the movie. Um, so I really, and I also want to say about Elemental, one last thing is, uh, you know, I think it does need to be seen on the big screen. If you're going to wait for Disney Plus, that's fine. Watch it on Disney Plus. But it is, it is such a visual feast. The elements and, and the, just everything that, how Pete's directing and how they're animating and, oh my gosh, watching the animation of the water and the fire. I know we're not talking about writing, but it's it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. You've got to see it on the big screen to see what they're doing. It is just unbelievable. I just remembered when they were talking about pear used to be hard to animate and I'm like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. we're so far ahead. Yeah, it was technically yeah. really challenging, this movie. It, that was partially why it took so long, because the pipeline to figure out how to, because they are, all the all the characters are effects, like fire and water. And that is like, that is so technically difficult. And also just like trying to f- calibrate how busy to make their faces. And like, if it was too busy, it was just too distracting, but then it doesn't look real. It was like such a, a feat. And so I agree, it is really worth seeing. You're going to watch on the big screen. I'm not kidding. Masters at work. It is like going to see the modern day masters, the master special effects, painters, animators, directors, right? It's just amazing. Character designers. I mean, it's amazing. It's it's truly something so special. So I hope everybody sees it on the big screen. Brenda, it's been so great to have you here. And we always end each podcast with uh, the same three questions. So we're going to ask you. Um First, what brings you the most joy when it comes to your writing? Um, I would say, honestly, I love coming up with ideas. Like when an idea excites me, it's so much fun to just run with it and be like, oh, my God. Like it's like it's I can't help but be like this has to be out there. And people I I like I have to tell the story. Um, And I'm so grateful that my job is that. And also, by the way, as I've said, I'm lazy. And as a writer, you can just be an idea phase. Like you don't have to execute, actually. You can just do it in your pajamas. Um, And so uh, that is something I'm grateful for. But now, as I said, I want to execute because that's how you you make sure it gets done right. (laughs) That that, that means you have to Exactly. Out of your head, out of outline. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the second question is, what pisses you off about writing? Uh, I think it's the flip side of that, which is you're not in control, like, you know, and you are, you know, and that's, 
kind of understood in the world of uh, the ecosystem. I mean, obviously in TV, the head writer is in charge, which is, you know, the other way that I want to go about it. It's either, I either want to run a show or direct a movie. Um, and so it's, it's really just, you know, I think a lot of writers feel a little underappreciated. Hence, I think this strike we're having um, and just, you know, you know, feeling like, uh, we are good at storytelling and being appreciated for that and and being valued for that. And uh, and so that is something that is driving the need to be uh, in charge. Um, I would love for you to direct. I think it'd be spectacular. Yes, me too. Yeah. Um, and Brenna, last question is, if you could go back and have a coffee with your younger self, kind of like right on the precipice of your early career, what would you tell that, Brenda? Well... I mean, okay, I would say, I think, I mean, obviously there's a lot, but I think if I had to pick one thing, it might be, and I, I think this is a strength and a weakness. Like I am very honest and I am, I can't even lie if I wanted to, I can't even hide it in my face. And that has hurt me a lot in my early days um, and helped me now. So it's like learning to kind of, keep that honesty, but also be a little bit more strategic, I guess. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And my mm -hmm. younger self definitely needed to be more strategic because, you know, when you are at that position in your career, you don't have any power at all. So it's like you really have to kind of um, play the game a little bit better than I think I played it. Um, but I think now I am better at it. And now I also can be more honest, which is uh, a privilege. And why you're such so, an amazing writer. Thank you. Because you're so I don't honest think you're lazy at all, by the way. <laughs> well, it drives my efficiency. Very, my laziness drives my very efficiency. busy. <laughs> so I want to be get as much work done so I can be lazy. Um, so yeah. I, okay, rest. I now have two favorite quotes. Rest? I have yeah. two favorite quotes from today. One is my laziness drives my efficiency. <laughs> New t-shirt. And I love when you said that you love that you can take as a writer and an artist, you can take something incredibly shitty and make art out of it. You can take something that hurt or was awful and make art that can connect to people and change the world. Like I just I'm just taking that away today because uh, I think that's so profound. What an, a profound way to look at what we do. Um, Brenda, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. And everyone, please go see Elemental because on the big screen, you will not regret it. It's spectacular. And you did an amazing job, Brenda. Yes, Thank congratulations. You. Thanks. Thanks so much to Brenda for joining us on today's show. Elemental is still in theaters. So please go see it. Like I said, on the big screen is the place to see it. And you can also join our Facebook group where lots of people are finding support uh, with each other, emerging writers, pro writers, directors, actors. And it's a great place to find comfort during this fairly challenging time in our industry. We're also seeing more and more people come over to our Patreon. If you haven't joined, it's a wonderful place to check out our workshops and interact with me and Lorian. And remember, you are not alone and keep writing.